welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal, to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Today, I'm welcoming Brian Becker back to the podcast. Brian's a corporate leadership development expert, educator, and nonprofit executive. He consults with companies and nonprofits to improve their overall culture, quality, and performance. He also leads workshops, speaks at conferences, and provides leadership coaching to executives and aspiring leaders. In June of 2019, Brian and I spoke about the book he and his son Jeff wrote together, Tender Lions, Building the Vital Relationship Between Father and Son. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to take the time to listen. Brian shared his personal journey of pain, honesty, brokenness, and healing that led him to realize the vital importance of fathering. In these uncertain and dangerous times, Brian shared with me that it's more important than ever for parents, grandparents, and leaders and mentors of any kind to provide stable and calm, tender lion leadership for our loved ones, which holds true for business and nonprofit leaders as well. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today for this timely conversation. Well, Tina, it's great to be back with you. Good to have a chance to catch up about um, some really important topics, uh, particularly as the world has done a pivot that none of us could have anticipated uh, just a few weeks ago. For sure. Well, when we last spoke, Tender Lines had just been released. Tell mm-hmm. us what's been happening since the publication of the book. Yeah, um, it's sort of like growing a garden. You know, you can't go out and just say, hey, grow fast. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, we've Both my son and I have made many, many uh, media contacts, radio, TV, podcasters, bloggers, and done dozens of interviews, which has been wonderful to be able to talk about this vital relationship between father and son, particularly when we can do that with a faith context, which is really important to both of us. Um, so we've done interviews, uh, sold some books, uh, you know, on Amazon. And, uh, and then um, as we got towards the fall, just maybe, you know, six months ago, uh, we started getting some requests to do speaking engagements, which was really exciting for us because while we published a book and spent years writing it, it's really more important to us that we see change in relationships versus selling books. The book is a part of the vehicle of that. But, and so we probably in January, February, we did a half a dozen different things at churches and conferences. They're going extremely well. And we had many contacts for the spring and summer about doing more things. And then the virus, coronavirus hit. And so of course, all that just, completely stopped. And so I, as I reached out to you a couple, just, you know, a week ago or so and said, Hey, some of the things in the book really are great about relationship building. And I think they have application today, maybe more than ever. What are you hearing from people who've been part of those workshops or conferences or read the book as you, as you're getting feedback to the content that you've put out? Uh, encouraging, but sort of surprising thing is that we're hearing uh, from as many moms and spouses <laughs> as we are men, dads. Um, we're, we're excited that women are reading the book and finding it really valuable. A couple of them 
have contacted us and said, hey, I started reading it because I wanted to give it to my husband as a gift for Father's Day or whatever. And then they're like, I couldn't stop reading it. And now we're doing it. We're going through it together. So that's one thing that's just really heartwarming for us because it's becoming a family activity. The book is also written in a way that at the end of each chapter, there's some really, we think, good questions to spur conversation. And so people are, they're talking about it with their spouses and their kids, which is great. Uh, a couple of, of men have said, you know, I started reading this just, you know, because I thought it'd be interesting, but wow, it really hit me in the gut. I, I really have to rethink the way that I'm leading in my own family, the kind of demonstration I put forth for my sons. That's because Because they're watching me all the time. Even when I don't think they are, they're paying attention. And so I've got to live a life that's, you know, worthy of God's blessing here. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been really encouraging. Uh, it's also tough because nobody knows who we are. I mean, you know, you know what it's like to be self-employed and mm -hmm. trying to trying to get this great message out there. So um so, you know, we both work full-time doing other things, but we're also spending a lot of time just emailing, calling, writing blogs, doing social media to just try to keep promoting the good word about, about the message of the book. It's so important to put tools in the hands of people, and especially those tools that open those really important conversations in families. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you shared with me that out of this, there are three big things at play that you're you're discovering as we navigate these unsettling days in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic. Mm -hmm. How would you mm -hmm. describe those three things and what wisdom might you have to share with us? So three big things. Let, let me first just maybe set a little context. Sure. I, I think that uh, almost everyone I've talked to said that they know that they have an increased anxiety, stress level. It's my reading research that when a person's family or their finances or their health are threatened, that those three things tend to come to the middle of the bullseye. And when you think about the COVID-19 virus, who, who doesn't have their family, their health and their finances affected by this? And so if you're feeling that, um, in your gut or your that tension in your shoulders or your throat. I don't think that's bad. I think it's predictable. It's, you know, we're marvelously made by, you know, by God. And, and, and we've had those, um, uh, those sensors, if you will, built into us. And it, it's our body and our mind saying, Hey, pay attention to this. And so um, it's when you add on top of that, uh, the uncertainty that this brings and the sustained element of this, you know, we all want to have control of our environment. And we realize that really control is sort of an illusion here. And so you add that faith, family, um, finances on top of that uncertainty. It's, it's normal that we would be really stressed. Um, it's interesting. One of, one of my friends recently said, I thought I had control and I knew God mm. was in control, but this is really mm. teaching me that I have no control that really all of our lives are in God's hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you asked, what are the three big things at play? So the stress lays the context for that. I think and Jeff and I've talked about this a number of times in the last month. Um, um, 
so I, by the way, that's my son. My son's name is Jeff. He's the co-author of the book. I don't know if we made that clear before. So, um, you know, there's a very different uh, ethos in society today than, you know, I'm in my 60s. So go back when I was a kid, that even if you weren't a Christian back then, the community still had a, a, a lot of Judeo-Christian idea value that permeated that. And a lot of that is just dissolved over the years. And so people's identities are so heavily connected to what they do. I'm a firefighter, I'm a teacher, I'm a mom, uh, I'm a consultant, whatever it happens to be. And people, you know, there many people have lost their jobs. Millions of people have been furloughed or let go or fired or um, companies or nonprofits are going to fail in these coming months. So their identities have been rocked. I think that's one really big thing. Secondly is uh, we're all creatures of habit. And you mentioned that control or illusion of control. So our schedules are completely, you know, knocked off of center. And then the last thing is that I think, I don't think, I mean, God made us to be relational you know, in the Garden of Eden, <laughs> um, you know, in Genesis, we're told twice, you know, the story of the creation of, of human beings and Adam was created. And then just like two verses later, it says, it's not good that man should be alone. So what happened? He created the woman. <laughs> so, so we are relational from the beginning of time at, at our core. So our identities our, our routines and habits, and then our relationships, you know, not just not being able to, you know, reach out and, um, you know, hug my granddaughter is, it, it's an emotional and, and, you know, it takes me into a, like depression. <laughs> uh, this Sunday, you know, I quote, went to church online and we got to the point of the service when we would normally do communion and passing of the peace. I just, it just hit me in the forehead like, Wow, do I miss that. Man, is that an important part of my life to be connected to people in a really visceral way. And that's not possible right now. Well, if you're going to be a good citizen and live a safe life, <laughs> where I am in Chicago, uh, it's, not a, it's not a wise thing to do that. Yeah, things are shut down in my area too, in the, the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Um, so how how are you finding that what you wrote in the book mm-hmm. is really speaking to these three mm-hmm. things? Yeah. So let's start with identity. Um, if I'm a person that's really, you know, connected to uh, the title I have, the, the stature I have in my work and I'm wrestling with that, uh, my finances have been affected in a huge way and, uh, um, that that's a very worldly look at uh, what success or fulfillment looks like versus in the book, the, one of the first chapters is called Imago Dei, uh, a Latin phrase that means made in the image and likeness of God. When I look deeper into that made in the image and likeness of God, my identity comes because God says, I'm going to give it to you, Tina. I'm going to make you, and I'm going to give you characteristics that are like me, like the brilliant creator, powerful maker of the universe who, who spoke it into being. Um, I can't begin to get my head around that, but God says, I love you. I'm even going to 
send my son to live and die and rise again for you. And I'm loving you because you're mine. You're in my family. So, wow, how powerful is that? That makes what I do for a living almost insignificant. <laughs> I mean, I want to do good work and, and pour into this life around me. But the fact that um, God loves me so much that he did all of this, which we've just seen play out in the Easter story, um, makes that the center of the bullseye. And then I'm a dad, I'm a worker, I'm a grandpa, I volunteer on this nonprofit. That's all things that I do, but who I am is found in that identity. So as a father or a grandfather, how might I pass that message along to them that says, I love you because you're mine, because you're in my family, not because you got an A, not because you made it on the debate team, not because you got into a cool college. So that's, that's that big Imago Day idea that I think is just vital, particularly today. And even as you say that, it harkens me back to our first conversation where as you unfolded honestly what was going on in your life, mm -hmm. to be unconditionally loved and supported by people you trusted enabled you to weather that storm and come out of it. So just that unconditional love of God that even when everything else is crumbling is holding us that says... I have you and it may not look like it used to look the pieces may be different it might be really really different but I still love you and I still mm -hmm. have you it's a really different feeling and emotes something different than the frenzied panic people can find themselves in yeah yeah and I think there's a tendency when people get stressed to just grasp at straws to try to get control of what they can not many people have that forethought to say, wait a second, I think I'm just going to push back and be still right now, mm -hmm. which is really what we're wired to do to, to get more focused, get a sense of calm. For those that, that didn't you know, hear our first interview, you know, I was a pretty destructive dad 20 years ago. And I won't go into all that whole story, but uh, over time, I got humble, I got help. We rebuilt those relationships that I had really wrecked, and um, it was the it was the grace and forgiveness of God and many people around me that that helped me stay on that path towards telling the truth to my family and being vulnerable with them about the fears I had, the mistakes I'd made, and while that was very hard for them, very hard for them, probably the hardest day of my adult life was the most important day of my adult life. <laughs> mm. You used the word pivot when we were talking a little bit earlier, because mm -hmm. that was, that was more than a pivot. I mean, that was a, a transformational. And I, and I learned over time that in the, in the pain of the mistakes were the seeds to new life. When you deal with that, honestly. Wow. That's a statement in the pain of mistakes are the seeds of new life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a that's a powerful phrase, Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you haven't listened to that interview, I really encourage you to go back and yeah. 
and yeah. listen to that. Brian really unfolds um, some yeah. really important things for us. That was a great conversation. You asked me a lot of hard questions, and and uh, <laughs> I think we got down to the <laughs> to the real the real crux of, of the issues that day. So that was that yeah. was really nice. Thank you for just thank you for your honesty in in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Um, so you talk also about um, habits and control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how how is what you uncovered in the book speaking to that? Because we are creatures of habit, um, and there's some there's some like brain science that plays into this. That you know our brains don't particularly like change. Once we've changed, they like the result of change. But by and large, I think the brain is always like looking out at the environment and sort of assessing risk, assessing fear, trying to keep us safe. And so uh, how can I do that? You know, I'm thinking about like right now, my daughter, she's married 35. She has a two-year-old and she's a school teacher and she's trying to teach online and she's, you know, (laughs) full-time online with her two-year-old in this 800 square foot apartment, you know? (laughs) So how can she like not be stressed and not be exhausted by that? So I think that for those of us that are more um, like, I'll just let things kind of unfold as they will. I think there's a lot more opportunity for stress and being non-productive in that, but really tightly scheduling your day, at least get control of what you can get control over that's healthy. So when you're going to get up, when you're going to meditate, when you're going to do your devotions or prayer or exercise, or you have to go to the grocery store once in a while, how do you do that safely? So you really script it out. And um, I've been using my calendar more now than ever and putting things on the calendar and reminding myself that I need to like, I'm going to stop right now and I'm going to go walk because I need to do something to renew my spirit and to take me away from that. So what's the best way for me to schedule my day and, and work it. So I'm not only just scheduling work, but I'm also scheduling my renewal and my relationship building. You know, I've heard people say, this isn't a sprint. This is a marathon that we're in with the, with the COVID-19. Um, and if I was going to guess, I'd say we're in the first third of the marathon. Uh, we're not like approaching the finish line here. So um, we need to really care for ourselves so we can care for our families. And if we're working, those that we work with as well. You've talked about a couple things, even thinking about schedule, getting control mm-hmm. over the things you can, what's the best way to schedule my day. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about renewal and relationships. Brian, even as you say that, what are the the big categories of life that you might name that might help someone create a framework for gaining those pieces of control that they mm-hmm. can manage mm-hmm. in their lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the best thing that if you're a parent or a business leader in order to be effective is how can you best provide an environment of stability, calm? You don't deny that you're stressed or you have anxiety, but how do you do that? And so in my mind, there's four things that, that I've thought about a lot. And one is when I'm in conversation right now, there's this tendency to like pretend that everything's okay. And it's not. So I think honesty and and honesty was one of the ways, you know, 20 years ago that we were able to rebuild our family when it was just in tatters. So if you have a six-year-old that comes to you and says, Hey mom, or Hey dad, I, I heard that people are dying. 
and people are sick all over the world. What's going on? I'd be honest with them in a PG sort of way. <laughs> okay. Um, tell your kids the truth about not knowing how long this is going to last and that, yes, people are getting sick, but also that, you know what, we're going to do everything we can to stay safe, to stay healthy. We're going to be right here with you. And yeah, it's okay if you're afraid. So, and what's under this is vulnerability. And when you can demonstrate vulnerability to your kids, that gives them permission to be honest with you. If you're like, it's all going to be great. It's not that big of a deal. They're like, oh, nah. instinctively, they know you're, you're not telling them the truth. <laughs> so the honesty is just a really important part of, of um, and I, I always think of that, that, that Jack Nicholson movie where he's on the stand and he goes, you can't handle the truth. Well, he ended up in jail, okay? We can handle the truth. We need to hear the truth in situations like this. Um, I appreciate so much the uh, Governor Cuomo's press conferences every day because he just says it like it is. And I live in Illinois and Governor Pritzker uh, is also uh, just so articulate and so transparent about what he does and doesn't know. And, and that actually draws me to him as a leader, as, as, as a person in an important position in a very difficult time versus him pretending like he's got it all together. When my intuition goes, mm, wait a second, I, I don't know if I can trust that or not. So. so continuing to think even about regaining those or, or maintaining some sense of rhythm to our lives. Mm-hmm. You talked about renewal and even thinking about the governor's addresses that have mm-hmm. been given. I live in the state of Maryland and one of the one of the encouragements our governor has talked about is get out and get some physical activity mm-hmm. and you know put your put your body in the sunshine mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. so that we can come out of this feeling healthy because there is a need to maintain our immune systems and mm-hmm. all the physical health aspect of it. What other things might you say, even let's say somebody's experiencing some significant anxiety, mm-hmm. how might you encourage someone like that? A couple of things are happening if they're feeling that sense of anxiety. It's, it's very real. Um, there's probably a couple of things going on there. One is isolation, uh, lack of connection to people, get stuck in your head. It's easy to spiral down. So we know from a lot of experience that when you move, that your brain chemistry gets more healthy. And so the idea of just, you know, maybe you feel like you can't go out of your house, but can you walk circles in the basement or the family room or do exercises, uh, any kind of movement like that. Getting outside particularly is great, great for us. Just yesterday, Tina, I saw a preliminary piece of research from China that said that because of the huge increase of online activity, along with that comes depression, isolation, because as we spend lots and lots of time online, it actually suppresses our immune system. So, and who's not spending more time online right now? So I, if you have to watch CNN or whatever for a little bit, just watch it for a little bit and then turn it off. You're not going to learn anything else (laughs) by watching it all day long. So moving is really important. Being aware of what you're taking in, what, what are you consuming as a viewer, as a listener is incredibly important. And then being aware of the self-talk 
because our, our voice goes all day long. And if you are isolated, it's easy to talk about what's not going right versus asking yourself better questions about what can I do to be healthier? What can I do to help someone? What does God most want from me in a difficult time like this versus mm -hmm. how long is this going to last? <laughs> so ask yourself a better question. Um, I'm hearing a, a taking a proactive posturing to oh, it to yeah. say, you know, what can I do in this mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. spiraling in the why me and the what ifs? Yeah, yeah. You, you asked me earlier about what, what are we learning, you know, what's happening with the book. Whenever Jeff and I are interviewed together and people say, well, what do you think is one of the most important aspects of the book? And immediately Jeff always says, time matters. Time matters. You know, so one of the really encouraging things I've seen in my own neighborhood is I've seen more parents out walking with their kids than I've ever seen before. Well, it's easy because they're not going to work, but I hope that's a habit that will stay in place after all of this is over. You know, that time matters. So um, can you, instead of making dinner, can you invite the kids into the kitchen and say, let's cook together. You guys all love grandma's cookie recipe. Let me teach you how to do that. So some really practical things are, what are you doing during those hours? Can you cook together, exercise together? My wife and I are playing more board games together, Just turn the TV off. And she beats me all the time, but at least we're together and it's fun. <laughs> She's very competitive. <laughs> but that time does matter. So going for a walk, teaching our kids new things. But this is another important aspect of the book is that parents can lead by talking about things that are more uncomfortable for them right now, instead mm -hmm. of just, did you get your homework done? Or are we going to the ball game on time? Because you're not going to the ball game on time. There's no ball game. So it's more like, you know, this really makes me, this makes me uncomfortable because there's so much problems in our healthcare and people are dying. How are you guys feeling about that? I'm uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable? So you're showing some vulnerability and concern that's really genuine. Yeah. Genuine conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The third big aspect you, you referenced was relationships. And I feel like mm -hmm. you're, you're sort of tapping on that right as you're talking. Yeah. We are wired to be in relationship. What's available to us that we can use to be in relationship. Uh, you've probably, if you never heard of it before, you've probably heard of Zoom by now, <laughs> you know, uh, or Google Hangout or Skype or FaceTime. Uh, you know, I'm not here promoting any particular company, but uh, use what you can use to connect with people who are distant from you. One simple thing that I have done for the last three weeks is I've called one or two people every day that I really respect and I know I've learned from over the past. They've been mentors to me and not even known it. And every time I've walked away from those conversations feeling lifted up, I think they've walked away from those conversations feeling lifted up too. And I usually just start out by asking a question like, well, what, what are you learning? What's important to you right now? Rather than whatever the perfunctory question might be that you'd ask. And that just leads us into some really meaningful exchange. It's a way to connect that you normally wouldn't in the busyness of the day. And that's again, goes back to that time matters and vulnerability and allows us to connect. And those that I can connect with face to face, let's make that time, make that time count. Um, mm -hmm. 
we actually, uh, I, there's about six other couples that live in my neighborhood that we've been friends for 25 years. And every Monday night, we do a Zoom meeting and we talk for 45 minutes to an hour. And one of the guys always tells really terrible jokes um, that we laugh at and we check in with each other and ask them about their kids and grandkids. And it's, it's really been precious to just be able to see them and to laugh with them. So I encourage people to do that, particularly now. Yeah, I have, it's been interesting in my coaching practice, talking to different mm -hmm. folks about how they are, how they are navigating. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, one, one fellow I know has started a conference call with his neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so they just connect by conference call and they share mm -hmm. what's going on. Same kind of thing. And mm -hmm. who, who needs what, but it was more a caring conversation to begin with, yeah. but it's, it's, it's leading into some really rich conversations as time progresses mm -hmm. and people get yeah. to know one another. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's really important. As you were mentioning that, I also do have these, or we're talking about all positive actions. I also have a, a concern um, about, about people that are really connected to social media right now, particularly teens and adolescents. Um, most teens and adolescents get most of their quote news from either their friends or social media. And when you look at what becomes the most viewed things on social media, it's usually the most outrageous and oftentimes a thread of truth, maybe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the reasons why I want to be more open with my kids about how they're spending, how I'm spending my time and how they're spending their time and to say, you know, I'm reading things online. I'm like, I don't think I can believe that. And so to encourage them when they see those outrageous things to say, Hey mom, or Hey dad, it, is that really accurate? And so you teach them to be more discerning in the middle of this mm. and to teach them that the outrageous things probably don't have much truth in them and to bring those hard to believe stories to you, check it out together and teach them to be more questioning. I also, just as an experiment the other night, I watched a little bit of Fox news and I watched a little bit of CNN and I was like, Hmm, we are on alternate universes right here, right here. And so I think regardless of what side of the political or religious world you swing to on that pendulum, know that, know that all of us are biased. We all, we all um, tend to, drift towards what makes us feel most most comfortable which may not be the smartest thing for us and so let's be discerning let's not just pass on something that we see on facebook because it's funny or scary or whatever let's make sure that what we're passing along is true and helpful the only place i know where i can go to things incredibly reliable all day long is the scripture <laughs> and um that is not changing the context and the lens through which we see it is ever changing. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's, that's been the, the touchstone bedrock thing for me. As I'm listening, I'm wondering how your relationship, father and adult son, mm -hmm. adult mm -hmm. children, what's transpiring in the midst of this opportunity really that we have to have these deep conversations. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's that looking like with your adult children? Yeah, um, it is different. Um, one, because uh, we're not able to, you know, shake hands and hug them. Um, 
to both of their lives. They're both relatively newly married, one with a two-year-old, one not, no kids. Um, their jobs are affected. They're trying to work online. Um, so they're in a brand new, never before experienced environment, a lot of uncertainty. And so I'm just trying to touch base with them more often, not being, you know, I know it all, but rather just how you doing? Are you doing okay? That sort of thing. Um, so I think that's it, it, it uh, you know, I, I'm trying to be helpful, but honestly it helps me just because it helps me stay connected to them. Mm -hmm. We do more video conferencing things with them than we used to, uh, which is wonderful. Um, and then with Jeff, because we wrote the book together, I mean, we realized a couple of weeks ago that no one's going to want to do a men's Bible study about the topic of the book right now. Cause they're so not that it's not important, but they're laser focused on their own congregational or their own Bible study needs around the emergency. Mm -hmm. We may be important, but urgent and emergency always pushes <laughs> the important. I mean, it could be yeah. the same, but in this case it's not. And so maybe three weeks ago, we stepped back and said, okay, we need to pivot as well. And are there things in tender lines that could be helpful for today? And so we started just like looking through the chapters of the book, like, wow, a lot of this is really good, solid material around relational things uh, yeah. in the midst of, and, and ours was created out of real tragedy and real brokenness. And so while the situation is, a, is different, there's still some similarities there. So we've just said, we're going to reach out and if people want to try to apply these, apply these ideas to today, we hope they would be helpful. And so mm -hmm. that's where, that's where we're going. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we want it to be useful in some way, you know, we, we always say, we'll go, we'll talk to anybody, anytime, anywhere <laughs> about this topic of relationship between father and son or parent and child. And uh, now is an, on, when the pendulum swings to one side, it's like, this is a tragic time with people sick and dying and losing jobs. And then the pendulum swings back and we're like, what are the opportunities in this? Mm -hmm. Not to be a, a hawk, a shark, but to say, wait a second, there are opportunities for this. And we believe that as we get to the other side of the people, death and dying, there's still going to be the emotional, uh, almost PTSD for a lot of people. Yes. And so how do we help them use that message to reconnect? I also this morning in my prayers was thinking about all of those families that live where there's some sort of psychological or physical abuse mm -hmm. and they're not able to escape that right now. Right. And so how might we be of some sort of aid in situations like that, where it could be more intense than we could ever imagine. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a serious time. It's a yeah. serious time. You know, it's a, a, one aspect of this that I've been experiencing and uh, my mother is 94 and she mm. lives in a retirement community and they're in total lockdown where they're, mm. they're not yeah. out and about at all. And so mm -hmm. their relational presence contact with anybody is very limited. Mm -hmm. uh, she lives in an independent apartment. She has enough dementia that um, conversation is very limited. So I'm finding that I'm talking to her more during the day because she's not even able to get out and be with other people at dinner. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I think there's uh, a lot of, so many different aspects of challenge with this whole thing of really needing mm -hmm. to shelter in place and mm -hmm. stay at home. Yeah. 
Brian, as we wrap up, how might you encourage people just thinking around those, those three big topics that we've mm-hmm. talked about? What do I do today with this information? Mm-hmm. I, I hope that people will be very aware of how stress can affect people and cause them to get tunnel vision and, you know, obsessive compulsive. Even if you're not normally like that, we can go down a tunnel and get very negative and disconnected and isolated. So be aware of that isolation. And that's one side of the coin. And then on the other side of the coin, look at that and say, what most helps me connect with people? What most helps me renew my spirit? What most helps me connect to God in a healthy way, to my family in a healthy way, and use this as an opportunity, as difficult as it is for many people, and then pray about it, write it down, work your schedule, Mm -hmm. stay connected to people, use the phone, use the technology, um, and don't be afraid to be vulnerable, because that's very permission giving for other people as well. Uh, and you know you're reaching out to your elderly mom uh, because she needs help. But then when you do that, you realize that you get help in the process. Mm-hmm. So uh, and so, I encourage people, encourage people to um, use that gift of eyesight, communication, listening, uh, heart, empathy to to use all of those things to to bring. You know, I I cannot remember the source of this, Tina. It was a sister from roughly the same era as Martin Luther who said, we are now the only hands and feet and voice of Christ. Mm -hmm. He he is not here to walk the earth. He's not here to heal and to listen. And so he's handed that mantle, whatever metaphor you want to use to us, to reach out and to be the hands and the ears and the feet of Christ in these days. And so um, let's do what we can to um, move through this, move through this difficult time. That's a really good word. The questions I ask when I read the scriptures, mm-hmm. I try to listen through a few lenses. And one is what's, what's God saying to my head, into my mind. Mm-hmm. And another layer is what's, what's God saying to my heart. Mm-hmm. And so that allows me to listen on a very different level. Mm-hmm. And then I ask, what's, what's God saying to my hands and feet? What, oh. what am I really to do with this and mm-hmm. how do I appropriate it into my life? Great. And just being able to listen with some intentionality around those three questions, it is transforming the way that I am able to hear what's God saying through the word. Mm-hmm. I'll leave you with uh, something I heard this morning, which I just thought was so interesting, which... A person said, we're not being exposed to the virus. We're being exposed by the virus. And that this is putting a lot of intense pressure on a lot of people and relationships in that. And so this really exposes people's character, integrity, determination. And none of us have ever been down this road before. And so uh, we have to use the gifts and skills that God has given us to improvise, if we will, <laughs> to make the best of this. So, yeah. yeah. Even as you say that, it, it reminds me, I asked you about your your conversations with your adult children. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find we're finding, my husband and I, that our boys are calling and asking us various questions. Mm-hmm. And we've had to say to them, you know, we've never lived through anything like this either. 
Mm-hmm. So we're all figuring it out together. And yeah, so, you know, yeah. what we can do is employ the best wisdom we can. Absolutely. But I think that's the the honesty of the vulnerability that we're all in. I, mm-hmm. As the parent, I don't have the answer yeah. uh, for some of this. I, I might have some hunches and we just have to feel our way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian, thank you so much for... My pleasure. Um, one, one, the way for the book that you and Jeff put together as a resource, but to look at it with fresh eyes and say, this speaks to us in a broader context than just what you wrote it for. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it has application in a, in a much wider field. So um, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that today and share it with, the people who will listen. So um, if you're listening, I, once again, I'm going to encourage you to go back to the interview that Brian and I had back in June of 2019. And Mm -hmm. uh, that'll give you a a great background for this conversation. Okay. Terrific. Thank you. Brian, um, maybe you could also share where people can find the book and be in touch with, with you and Jeff. Sure. Yeah. So the book is called Tender Lions and the website is tenderlions.org, tenderlions.org, if they want to find out more about the book, if they'd like to contact us for interview or speaking engagements at some point in the future, uh, buy a book, they can, they can do, find all that right there on, on the website. They could find our email addresses right there. Um, we write a weekly blog, and so there's all kinds of lessons about connecting with your kids uh, that may be helpful at this time. If anybody wants to buy a book that's listening today, send me an email and we'll, we'll get you one at half price. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's wonderful. Brian, okay. thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks. God bless your good work, Tina. Thank you. Brian provided us with great insights today. I appreciate that he and his son Jeff took a fresh look at their material and asked the question, what might this have to say to us in the midst of the current circumstances we navigate coronavirus? that resulted in the specific things he shared in our conversation. I hope you got a lot out of it. One thing Brian said really stood out to me. In the pain of mistakes are the seeds of new life. I also believe that new life is born out of the pain of struggle. My encouragement is to lean into the struggle or the pain to see what God might bring forth as new life out of it. Even as I say this aloud, I feel God nudging me. Where might the Lord be calling you to experience new life? If you haven't already, I invite you to listen to my first conversation with Brian, where he shares his personal story of pain, redemption, and triumph. As Brian said, he got honest, got help, and got humble. This journey led he and his son to write the book Tender Lions, building the vital relationship between father and son. It's worth the time to listen. Thank you for joining us. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.